Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. What is thy bidding, my master? Wipe them out. And you are listening to the Church Planner Podcast. The only podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. Mm. In fact, we would never give up this podcast, ever. This is no. this is our baby. You know, they can have this podcast when they pry it from my cold, dead fingers. Don't say that. Don't say that. You'll be dead within six weeks. <laughs> hey, I got a I got a threatening email yesterday from a false prophet. Oh, nice. What'd he say? I was wondering when this is like, when will my celebrityism hit? Because, you know, I have no celebrity. I'm like, like, it's laughable. Like the, the amount of micro celebrity I have is so small that, uh, I don't know. I'd pick another small celebrity and say, you know, he'd fart my celebrity out. You know, it's not, not impressive, not big, but you know, it's funny because, um, I got this, um, it, it was basically that I mix pop culture, um, with, uh, uh, with, with the things of God and therefore God is coming to destroy me because I have been warned before. Oh, Yes, and and bad things. It was like an internet circular. Send this to all your friends, or you know, was it really like addressed to you? Like someone? Oh yeah. No, they actually, they actually, uh, they actually texted me and says, "Is this Peyton Jones of Newbreed?" And they got the uh, the phone number from the public site. And uh, knowing our audience, they'll start sending these now to be funny. But you know what? What was rad was um, I said, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, uh, yes, it is." But who is this? Tell me who you are. Uh, you know, so I know you're not a scammer from halfway around the world. And they come back and they go, I am not a scammer. I am a servant of the most high God and exclamation marks and capitals and boom. And I was like, okay. 
all right. And, uh, and so they sent me this, uh, this, this weird message and, uh, I just, I just ate them for breakfast. I, I went into the whole, Hey, look, um, you, uh, you know, first off your hocus pocus doesn't scare me. Right. Um, you're, you're, you don't, this is a rant of the flesh. Something made you angry. And, you know, I'd be careful saying it was God because, you know, last time I checked, um, I, I told him I'm doing an in-depth study of Deuteronomy and God doesn't forbid anything like that. Number one, number two, um, uh, Paul in his only fully recorded sermon in acts, um, refers to pagan prophets and poets, um, as an illustration and quotes them, um, not as an authority, but as a way of connecting with them. So, uh, and I said, you know, look, I I've spent years, uh, reaching people with pop culture because I lived as a missionary overseas, reaching lost people, which is something I'm pretty convinced you don't do. In fact, I'm pretty sure your kids probably, uh, are afraid of anything you talk about and, and weirded out by you and probably think you're nuts. Um, because I've seen people like you over the years and you destroy everyone around you for the gospel witness. And, um, and just, yeah, I let them have it both barrels. Cause it was like, and I told him, I said, you know, so much of Pentecostal, uh, and now great now understand I have great love for Pentecostals and charismatics, but when I see the people that are what I would refer to as hyper Pentecostal and hyper charismatic, where they normally what it is, it's, it's an imbibing of Toltec wisdom which is like a native American shamanism. There's a book. If any of you guys ever want to read a book that will expose a lot of, um, the current, uh, hyper Pentecostal theology, um, much of it was borrowed from the shamanistic, uh, I would say quote theology, um, shamanistic beliefs of Toltec medicine men. And there's a book that hit the bestseller list years ago called the four agreements. And so when you're like, what, you know, where did all that stuff come from? Like you've made an agreement with a, with an evil spirit and a contract and you got to break that. That's Toltec wisdom and, and it's shamanism. So I actually flipped it back around and said, look, I may refer to eighties pop culture like Paul did on Athens, but you're actually imbibing, um, shamanistic ritualistic, um, theology and, and trying to pass it off as the Bible. So when you want to talk about, you know, someone being warned, I'm warning you because you're, you're mixing paganism with Christianity. And, um, so I just flipped it around. What did he uh, say? They did not respond. I, I did, I did do the whole thing where I said, Hey, by the way, tell me your name, tell me who you are. Cause right now you're hiding in the shadows and taking cheap shots at me like a coward behind the, the shadow of, of darkness and anonymity. Only the devil does that. <laughs> so I was like, you know, you got to, you got to me, but you know, it's weird, man. Like I've never gotten one of those before. So it was, it was, you know, I've, I've hit the next level, Pete. Welcome to my world. I'm so proud of you. Yep. You haven't gotten one of those crazy ones. Have you not via text? I've only got them via email. Oh man. And they were so like, I just thought these are the people I said, I'm going to lump you in the category of Hagen and Copeland and all those false teachers, because it was just kind of like, People like you destroy the gullible. You destroy people. I've watched the false people connected with those false teaching movements just destroy. And I, I was angry. I mean, I just thought to myself, what would Paul do in this situation? You know, and, and Paul wouldn't take that line. What would Elisha do? He'd call down a she bear. 
<laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? That would be rad. I should have used that. Was it Elisha or Elijah that did that? I can't remember now. I think it was Elisha. It was Elisha. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, he was like, you know, hey, new sheriff in town, right? He was, uh, Elijah was. <laughs> Elisha was like, look, I ain't playing this game. She bear, where are you? He's like, look, I know how you guys treat Elijah. Um, you ain't poking fun of my ball, Elijah. Head. Yeah, it just ain't going out. New sheriff in town, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> dude i saw this uh t-shirt maybe it was you someone sent it to me yesterday and the t-shirt had a caption on it and all it said was i'll be your huckleberry <laughs> and i was like oh oh i love that i sent you the uh the one that said are you gonna are you gonna do something you're just gonna stand yes, there and bleed? that's right that was the one that you sent me are you gonna do something you're just gonna stand there and bleed and what's funny is our millennials wrote, today had written all over it millennials today have no idea what that's from like isn't that weird yeah because that was that was like one of the greatest movies of all time of all time and people you know, don't it's funny my it. favorite western like ever hands down there's two and they both have kevin costner and i'm funny enough really open range. dances with wolves no open range is one oh. i love that one i don't and know then, that i've seen that actually <gasps> you would love that movie i, I don't know that that's, i've seen uh, that's open range has Kevin Costner and um, Robert Duvall in it. Guy from Lonesome Dove, and he I know plays who Robert Duvall is. <laughs> What's that? I said I'm like I know who Robert Duvall is, but I don't. Yeah. I don't think I've, our listeners though. Remember, we do have young people listening. Well, They're, I think you're going to need to use a different reference for Robert Duvall than that. Yeah, I can say the great Santini though, right? Like I, I don't know how to. I don't know what Robert Duvall's been in recently. He has been in stuff. Just, he was in The Apostle, right? I mean, that's one that our, our, our listeners might recognize. Never saw so, it, but, you know. So, okay, so you got to see Open Range. That's all of you have homework this week. You got to go see that. I think that. I will because I don't recognize the name. Maybe when I start to watch it, I'll recognize it, but I don't recognize it. So, dude, and you will love it. You'll love it just for, like, the last, like, 30 minutes. But don't speed ahead because it's slow moving. Like the old westerns, kind of like how like you're watching Shane and the D, and it's like bam, 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 you know, and and you're building up to it, you know. I hate sodbusters, you know that whole thing, and then at the end, psh, 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 you know, um, you ever killed the man Shane? It's a slow burn, and then it just all blows up, you know, the the the, the powder keg blows, and it, open range is old school western that way. It's why I love it. This is why I love these films. Second one to me is what is often called, and I think Open Range now has reopened the book, but Silverado used to be called the last of the great Westerns because it was made in the 80s. All-star cast, Danny Glover, um, Kevin Costner, uh, Scott Glenn, um, uh, Brian Dennehy, uh, Kevin Klein, Linda Hunt, um, oh, Jeff Goldblum. I mean, amazing film. What's your you ever favorite non-sci-fi movie favorite non-sci-fi yeah <sighs> um well give me give me a little bit more of a narrowing down are we talking like drama action like what are we talking your dealer's choice Comedy. man dealer's choice because you when you said brian dennehy my mind flashed to one of my favorite movies of all time cocoon <laughs> no, no, not I cocoon. I knew it wasn't cocoon. That was a joke. First blood. Um, That's where my mind went when you said oh, Brian Dennehy. So Dennis. good, dude. Yeah. So good. 
That is such a great, you know, I prefer that movie to Rambo. Like, Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, totally. You know. It's way better. Way Welcome better. to Smack Talk Church Planner. We do have the Honorable Clint Clifton coming on in a little bit. You don't get to hear him yet because that's how the podcast rolls right now. Clint may change all that, but that's how we roll until he does. Ooh, how about that for a teaser? I like that. That was a, that was a good little rollover. Yeah, yeah but great. I'm sorry. When you said Brian Dennehy, that was immediately, I was like, <gasps> one of my favorite oh, movies of all time. First Blood. Oh, and, and in the second one, I'm coming to get you. That was a good one. Murdoch, that was the best part of that. I'm coming for you. <laughs> wasn't the guy that he says that to, wasn't he the Cobra Kai instructor in Karate Kid? No, no, he wasn't. No. It's not the same dude? I thought no. I thought in, oh. No. Yeah, isn't it Rambo? That's a guy he says that to. No. The guy that plays. No? no. Okay. No. no. That movie's coming Blood. back. That movie's coming back. They're they're remaking one with uh, Ralph Macchio. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying Rambo. I was like, Rrr. well, I think they are making another Rambo, but no, Rambo I was with Ralph Macchio. No, that would be cool. No, um, another I Karate did. Kid. So they remade with uh, Jaden Smith, and I gotta say, it was good, dude. I didn't like the, it. You didn't like it. I love no because it. it's unrealistic. I don't like movies that are so unrealistic. Dude, the karate, <laughs> unlike kid Star Wars, which is totally is realistic. such a classic. I watched uh, a documentary on the making of that this week, and it was, I guess, um, the guy that played Danny. Uh, Danny was the bad guy, right? Uh, the blonde haired dude, and or was it Danielson? I, I don't know. Danielson was Ralph Macchio, but um, dude, that th- those two became best friends. Oh, did they they're, really? Yeah, they're like lifelong best friends now. So, um, but dude, that movie was so good. Like, I I went back and watched pieces of it this year because I'm I'm grabbing quotes from my. my Wasn't my Elizabeth Shue the girlfriend? What's that? Wasn't Elizabeth Shue the girlfriend? I think so. Yeah. I think that's her name. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just a little side note. I was like, man, I haven't really seen Elizabeth Shue in much, but I think that's where she got yeah. her start. Yeah, dude. That are, so when they do the remake, is it like Ralph Macchio is going to play the 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 old sage? That I trained? think so. Yeah, because he's got Miyagi Do karate. They brought back everybody, like even the oh. old Cobra Kai guy, who you were so, that's thinking so it was. Yeah, that's why I'm like, no, it's totally not. Because I I don't remember the guy's name from Rambo, um, who played Murdoch, who was the. Oh yeah, Murdoch. You're right. That he wasn't Murdoch, but wasn't that guy in Rambo though? Didn't he have a? a, a oh, role was he in film? it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. Yes, he was in it. The Cobra Kai guy That's was right. in it. He just wasn't. Yeah, the leader. But you're right. Murdoch is it now that you said Murdoch? My my mind went to his face. Yeah, yeah he was in a ton of stuff. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. He yeah, the Cobra Kai guy was in Rambo, but was not the guy who. Rambo was like, I'm coming for you, even though he came for the other guy. Yeah, as well. he's he's the guy that like kind of drops Rambo in the in, in the soup, right? And kind of screws him up. Leaves him there. Yeah. When he called him in and he had a POW with him and he like calls off the helicopters and won't let him land. So Rambo is one of my favorite movies. Um I don't know. Rambo I, or I first blood? Because Rambo to me, I could eh. I'm sorry, first blood, I mean. Yeah. First blood. Like like literally, um, first blood. Like we had those knives from Rambo. Um, we would, we would as kids try to simulate 
um, when he's out in the woods and he's like doing all the traps, like we couldn't do that stuff, but we would simulate it. We tried to do that kind of, we'd set up little traps in the bushes and we'd, we'd try to like paint ourselves all black and put a bunch of dirt on our face and hide in mud piles. It was rad, dude. I dig it, man. I that scene it. where he jumps out of the helicopter into the tree. Oh, oh no, no, no. It wasn't out of the helicopter into the tree. You're talking oh, about first blood, cliff. right? Off the cliff. Yeah. Off the cliff. Yeah. Oh, so good, dude. Yeah, because the helicopter's chasing him, and uh, and he's breaking all of his ribs. And, oh, dude, so good. He's getting stabbed, and then he sews himself up with the like car seat. <laughs> he sews himself up with a car seat. Remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's in a car, and he sews himself up with it. And you're done. Like, how about when he's in the river, the freezing cold river, as the National Guard is walking by, and he's, like, hiding in the river? Oh, dude, so good. And and the so... And then the 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 end of that movie, you know, where like uh, he has his mental breakdown, and like doesn't the movie doesn't end like most action movies. Like that's what made that movie great. And I gotta say, Stallone, for you know, to his credit, like he kind of became a, a bit of a uh, a laughing stock for you know probably people don't remember for about ten years. Everybody just laughed at Stallone. Um, but during that time, man, he was busting out Rockies, busting out in those movies like Rocky. Rocky doesn't win at the end. You know, he just well, in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. He takes the hit the whole time. But just even that movie where it's like this, nobody was writing like him, like where I'm not making, well, you know, stupid. okay. When he wrote Rocky, he was broke living in his car Yep, and they offered him. First, it was like, we'll give you 30000 for the script. And he's like, no, I got to star in it. And they went up to like like $300,000. Here's a guy living in his car being offered $300,000 for the script without him in it. And he refuses to take it. He's like, no, you have to. I'm going to star in this movie. And that right. because he just had the guts to be like, no, forget the money. I got to go for the dream. He is who he is today. Absolutely. And, and similar to that was, um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger who came over, was like doing all of his working out and he was like, I got to break into Hollywood. And at that time, everybody was telling him, Oh, nobody's going to hire you. Look at, you know, there's no parts for you. You're like freaking Mr. No one can understand you. No one can understand you. And nobody wants a muscle bound freak like you. Like right now it's like Dustin Hoffman. It's, you know, um, Woody Allen, it's all these wimpy dudes, you know, even like the action films back then was like Charles Bronson with death wish, you know, like nobody wanted a dude that looked like Arnold. So Arnold's like, Oh, well anyways, what he started doing is he started a, like, I think it was like a cement business or something stupid like that. Um, that, that he, he literally would get the job and he'd go buy the equipment and that's how he started. You know, he'd, he'd talk it up. Arnold's always been a talker. And what happened was um, he started investing in real estate. He started buying real estate. And he said, what what happened was um, I was able to negotiate way better for the stuff I did um, because I didn't need the money, you know? And, uh, and same kind of deal. I was able to hold out because all of a sudden, like, I'm, unlike all these actors who were just desperate and they would get manipulated – he said, I made sure I had a financial base behind me and I signed some really good contracts. And I can't remember which one was the contract. It was really surprising. They asked him what was, oh, it was twins. So when he went into twins, um, 
they they said we will front that the studio wasn't going to put a bunch of money in Arnold and Danny DeVito said we'll pay we'll invest in the money um, but you got to give us 40 percent and of course it's a comedy um, no one knew it was going to be the runaway hit it was and he said that's my most financially successful movie ever was twins because I I like the Luke George Lucas deal you know hey give me all the toys yeah who cares and Schwarzenegger says you'll give uh, Danny DeVito and I forty percent whatever the movie makes and they said yeah no problem you put all the money up no problem we don't think it's going to be that big of a hit and uh, he said next time he saw the the producer director whoever it was you know at the at the studio the guy's like you're robbing me he's like he's like turn his pockets out just take everything you already are <laughs> that's funny yeah. Well, I guess we should probably get into our topic. We should. We've had enough fun for the day. All right. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Peyton, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, uh, I'd like to take uh, podcast host for 500, Pete. And uh, the question is, who is Clint Clifton? Ooh, so, that would be the Daily Double. Yes, and and Pete. Um, I, I would like a lightning round of um, us kind of discussing who Clint Clifton is uh, as as a church planner, as a church planning legend, as uh, an international book selling author, and um, part time uh, party clown on the weekends. And as much as I'd like that, I just have one thought going through my head right now. I got a bad feeling about this. So, hey, my guest what, what today is a great is way a to friend. introduce the guest. What's that? <laughs> so what a great way to introduce the guest. <laughs> hey, it's it's Church Planner Podcast style, right? That's so, uh, hey, uh, my guest today, uh, this will be the first time you hear him on the podcast, but it definitely will not be the last. My guest today is Clint Clifton. He is a friend. He is a partner in uh, gospel work. I served with Clint uh, in the SEND network. He is currently serving as the uh, Sin City missionary for DC and Baltimore. He's also a, uh, he's church planted, um, started, I believe, he'll tell us more, but um, I think when he was like 17 or something, or, or I don't know, maybe three, I can't remember, but um, very, very young. And uh, he also wrote an incredible, okay, he also, uh, he works, he's on the board at, um, he doesn't work there, but he's on the board for McLean Bible Church. Some of you know that as a place where David Platt is currently serving. And uh, all, uh, not only that, but he did write a book. It is a fantastic book. Brad Briscoe throws it out there as one of the church planning books you must read, and it's called Church Planning Threshold. So, Clint, man, welcome to the Madhouse. Well, thank you, Peyton. It's, that was quite an introduction. It was special, wasn't it? And, and it thank special. you, Pete, for being here, you know. Yes, thank you, Pete, okay. for being here. All right. <laughs> My ego needed a little stroke in there. Yeah, don't I'm forget sorry. Pete, man. That's yeah. the rule. Yeah, that like, is we don't the have rule. guests anymore. You they, can never they, forget they never... Pete. Don't forget Pete. <laughs> and agree with Pete as much as you can, because if you do, he will save the soundbite and he will replay it over and over. <laughs> That's right. I sure You'll will. treasure it. Awesome. So, uh, Clint, tell us a little bit about, you know, one, one of the questions Pete and I always ask is how you came to faith. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I come from a family, uh, I grew up in North Florida and my, um, my mom got hurt when I was, uh, when she was pregnant with me and, um, kind of series of bad surgeries and sort of stuff. She was handicapped basically long story short, short. 
<clears throat> and um, and uh, my dad didn't take that so well, and so he started uh, drinking, kind of womanizing, and uh, their marriage fell apart. And so by the time I was three or four years old, I was living with my grandmother and my mom, who was having a bunch of health conditions, and my older sister. And uh, and uh, yeah, I grew up in, in kind of that environment with uh, without um, a dad around. And then uh, when I was, uh, I think I was like six years old, my mom remarried. Um, she, uh, she met a man and remarried and, and they weren't walking with the Lord. Uh, but we got, um, at one point in our scenario, we, we had to move in with his mother. So our family of five moved in with, um, stepdad's mom, uh, in this little town in Florida and the next door neighbor there, um, was, a was a Baptist preacher and shared the gospel with my mom and dad. They came to faith. And then a few years later, um, I came to faith um, as well. I was chasing chasing a girl, um, and uh, led me to church, and uh, ultimately didn't catch her, but uh, met Jesus when I. And uh, the, the uh, pastor at that church that I got involved in began to disciple me, and uh, and I uh, he was passionate about church planting, and so from my very first days of discipleship, he was teaching me that my life was uh, to be used for starting new churches, and so I remember my my literally my first discipleship meeting, he was walking through a pastoral training book with me. And so I'm brand new Christian, just less than a week of Christian. He's already trained me to be a pastor. And, uh, so I owe a great deal to him. His name's Danny Williams. He's a pastor in Georgia now and been a great friend and mentor to me. So that's pretty cool, man. I remember the same thing. The guy that, that, uh, led me to Christ, uh, took me to the Christian bookstore and handed me, um, Spurgeon lectures to my students and Lloyd Jones sermon on the Mount. Wow. I said, you need to read both of them. Well, he, I asked him years later. I mean, guy was 21. I said, hey, how come he handed me those books? He goes, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> there was no the method to the madness. Well, yeah, looking back, it was a little crazy. I mean, I, can, I can't imagine a guy coming to faith in Christ right now, especially a teenager, and me meeting up with them for discipleship and deciding that the best resource I could use was it, uh, it was actually a, a Henry Blackaby little book called Called and Accountable. And it's literally about, it walks through First uh, Timothy 3, Titus, uh, even Peter, qualities for elders and pastors. So, But how cool is that, though, that you end up, you know, from from the day you get saved, you're like, well, looks like I'm going to. I'm going to serve Jesus. Like, that's what this is all about. I think that's very first century, to be honest. It's very. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's a little ironic to be studying about not being a new convert and then, uh, though, in the qualifications <laughs> and then uh, be a 17 year old new convert, you know, 15 year old new convert. That's rad. Um, yeah. That's rad. There's still hope for Pete that he'll get saved. Um, <laughs> we're, we're running to the end of this podcast on six years. It's It hasn't happened yet, but, you know, we're hoping, Clint, we bring you on that. Man. Mike. Sometimes you got to labor for many years before there's fruit. That's right. That's right. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. <laughs> so, uh, so Pete, um, I, I want to ask uh, Pete to share a little bit. Um, you know, Pete, kind of share where, where maybe talk about the funk. Maybe talk about, you know, kind of why we got Clint here today and why we're getting to know him. Well, uh, Clint has uh, dutifully uh, paid his application fee. And is applying to take over the Church Planner podcast. And not a hostile takeover. Not a hostile takeover. Well, well, guns were involved. Guns were involved. 
they're always involved with you. Even if no one else has guns, somewhere Pete's got a bunch of guns and they're involved somehow. Dude, you know what was funny is, uh, I know, side note, uh, but whatever, deal with it. So uh, I had to go to Phoenix last week, and everyone's like, hey, why'd you drive out here? I'm like, because it's too hard to fly with a gun. <laughs> so I drove. But anyway, total side note. There. Resist the smack. Resist the smack. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't resist. No. So, you know, we've we've shared with this on the podcast before that, that uh, you know, you and I have been trying to think of, you know, what's, what's the right move for us to make uh, in our lives with the podcast, even, you know, with the magazine. Um, you know, what's really been the, uh, the right thing. And in, in the past, you and I have gone through different stages where, you know, at one time you'll be like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm tired of doing this and it's time to move on. And then you'll get over that. And then later I'll be like, ah, it's tired of this. And, you know, it's time to move on. And then, uh, and then it just, you know, after doing this for six years, I think it both just kind of hit us at the same time of, you know, Maybe it's time for us to move on. Maybe it's time to bring in some new blood, uh, somebody who's hopefully, uh, I think the hope, the goal is uh, he's not going to talk about guns nearly as much as me on the Church Planner podcast. Um, And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we've just uh, kind of uh, uh, been out there and, and being open, I think, would be the right word. Not necessarily searching, but just being open to... Hey, is there someone who we think uh, could run this thing and and give it another six years and uh, and continue to help uh, the church planners? And so, uh, Peyton, you've known Clint and and you said, "Hey, I think I know the right guy for this." And so that's kind of what brought us here today. And and uh, my first time actually in talking to Clint is today on this podcast. So um, so he's still got to prove himself to me. But you know, other than that, it's cool. <laughs> Well, Clint, Clint, you'll just have to tell Pete about all the mini guns you own. What? Afterwards. He lives in D.C., so like no guns, no guns yeah. can be owned. Yeah, no guns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a gun guy. I don't have much to say about that. Oh, sorry. well, well I sorry. guess we can actually end this interview right here then. Uh, <laughs> I know. You know, if, if you know, a year ago, two years ago, if you had had a charger, Clint, you would have been gold. Yeah, I actually I actually do own a gun, but it was it was a uh, it was passed down to me from um, my my father who passed away, and uh, it's it's I don't know much about I don't know anything about guns, but I'm pretty sure this doesn't qualify to a real gun guy as a gun. Oh no, it's, it does. It's it's called a <laughs> it's called a pocket pistol. Oh, and oh, it's tiny. It's <laughs> did tiny. you hear that? Oh, that dude, approval, my friend. Okay, oh, really? I'm, I'm gonna be flying out to Washington D.C. I'm gonna take you to the local range, wherever that is, and we're gonna we're gonna give that thing a go. I've never fired it. Well, it, it, well, one of the reasons I haven't that. fired it is because the ammo isn't easily accessible. Uh, it's it seems like it's a little bit. I've gone to a, some ammo stores and tried to get ammo, and they didn't have the right kind of ammo for it. So we'll we're, see. We're in smack territory again. Pete. The, the good the good news is now this is important for all of our listeners to know. When you're in a free state, I mean DC is not really free, but it's more free than California. Ironically, um, you can actually order it online, which I can't Ooh. do here in California. So. You well, know. I might need to do that. There you go. There so you already go. we've corrupted. You just uh, made me a gun host. guy. I know. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'm going to take him to the range. Next thing you know, oh he's going to have the sombrero, the bandoliers. I mean, he's going to be good to go. He's going to be He's gonna be Yosemite Sam <laughs> by the time I'm done with him. 
<laughs> Clint, you're supposed to convert Pete, man. It's not supposed to work the other way around. But you well, know, it's really funny because we'll we'll talk about this in in more detail in future when when we're really close to 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 the actual handoff because we're gonna we're gonna track together for a little bit. And here here's the thing: um, we uh, Pete and I were were just talking yesterday, and we're we're not in the funk anymore. But I think that prolonged period of just kind of seeking the Lord you know, really kind of made us go, well, you know, this is the right thing, you know, like it's not even that, um, it's not even like we're in a funk. Cause when we both hit the funk at the same time, it was the first time in six years where we're just questioning, like, is this what we're supposed to do? And, yeah. uh, like I said, we'll, we'll talk more about what that felt like, look like, you know, this and that and, and where we came out the other side, but it's funny. It's good for us that that's not like we were laughing yesterday. Like, Hey man, we could still keep going, but we we don't feel that's the right thing. So mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. So uh, I I think it's going to be good, Clint, because I know who you are. I know your uh, incredible knowledge of church planning that's practical and theological. Because I mean, you know, you're you're kind of a mix of both, a little little bit like me. And I I think finding a podcast host who is able to pull both off is not easy. Right. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, your, uh, your theological background yeah, um, and then your practical background. I like to hear both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a little bit of a theological hack. I think, um, I, I did go to Bible college and seminary, but I got music degrees in both. And so it doesn't really count. Uh, but I, I was discipled really well. I've always had a love for the word. And, um, I say always since, since I became a Christian and, um, and I was discipled well. Um, I was in a, a solid church that taught through the scripture, um, and just have always really appreciated good Bible teaching and been drawn to that. And, and so I do, uh, I do consider myself like a, a student of scripture and somebody who really desires to understand and apply God's word. Right. So, um, yeah. So, and, um, so I've got on the theological spectrum, I've kind of swung pretty, pretty wide over the course of time that I've been a Christian. Um, I started off very much in the purpose driven vein. If we're thinking about like the philosophy, uh, philosophy of ministry sort of stuff, um, the guy who led me to Christ uh, appreciated uh, Rick Warren and sort of that style of ministry, and then I went on to um, I went on to work in my first church plant. You mentioned when I was when I was 17 years old, I did I helped start a church. I wasn't the lead planter, but I I partnered. I was like a pastoral partner with a with a guy who started a church, and then we started churches around my hometown. And so I was involved in Bible teaching and preaching and that kind of music leadership and church leadership from from really early um, days after my conversion. And so, uh, yeah, I was kind of in that vein for a little while and planted a church that was a little bit more purpose-driven. And then I went to, um, I went and got involved in a church with a pastor that was reformed. And um, he was a good pastor to me, got familiarized with uh, with uh, with the reformed community. Some, I did um, an internship um, at CHBC, Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington um, with uh, Mark Dever. Uh, I was pastoring when I did that, um, uh, but uh, I got, got, um, I was, uh, they kind of called me the virtual intern. Not, I went and, not to be confused with Mark Deaver, 
right? No, Mark Deaver, yeah. Mark Deaver, very different people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, I learned a lot from those guys and kind of, as you can imagine, they call that the cage phase of reform theology, right? You know, I kind of, uh, I, I kind of went through a period of the cage phase and kind of got real hostile with all my church members and, um, and ticked a bunch of people off during that season, um, of my life. And then I, I feel like now, uh, the pendulum has swung, uh, back and I, I'm somewhere between those two things. I think the thing I appreciate about the reform community is their love for the local church and their love for the word. And the thing I appreciate about, uh, the, the sort of seeker movement is their, their urgency to get the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. And, and so I find a value in, uh, both of those things and consider myself to be a blend of the two. Yeah. Hey, uh, I got a quick question for you here, just because I'm curious. What do you do for your living? Like, are you a full time pastor, or do you have a side gig? Uh, what's what's your well? What's your deal? Peyton, to- Peyton told you about my my clowning. You well, know, that's true. Yes. <laughs> you know, other than that, though, than weddings and funerals, guys, that's yeah, all and funerals. Wow. No, I'm actually frightened of clowns, so I couldn't do that. But um, <laughs> but you know. Uh, Considered years ago, uh, he had Captain America come to his party, his kid's party, not Pete's party. That would be rad. But uh, (laughs) he had Captain America come to his kid's party, except it was like ripping hot in July. And the guy was wearing like the leather Captain America suit. uh, He was sweating like a pig. Yeah. But that that could be a gig. That'd be kind of cool. Get to be the Avengers on the weekend. Anyway, I'll stop. I just heard the train. And now I know why I heard the train. (laughs) Because I was at your house the other day. It's been my house. Yeah, it wasn't made up. It really is a train. It's a train track right next to his house. I've literally had people ask me if it's a soundbite. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) It sounded like a soundbite. I thought Pete was pressing his button again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, so uh, I totally forgot what we were talking about. Your, Your job. What you do yeah, for how what do I do for a living? I work for the North American Mission Board full time, and uh, my role with NAM is I'm the Send City Missionary, which essentially means you know I'm kind of uh, overseeing all things church planting for Washington D.C., uh, the greatest city in the world, and uh, Baltimore, I was born there. the second greatest city in the world. So, um, also, so yeah, I do those things for uh, the North American mission board and, um, and, uh, the future of the podcast, um, also just instantly has, uh, uh, Nam's involvement. Nam has very generously, uh, decided to be a sponsor on the podcast. And so they're going to come alongside and help with some of the production costs and be a part of, um, from, of from what, what I understand, Nam basically said, Pete's not going to be involved anymore, right? Yeah. We can get behind so we're, the podcast. Now. We're, we're in. I think as long as Pete's out, we're in. Yes, (laughs) I think now that Peyton's out, we're in. Yeah. So that's what I do. I work with Nam. I I uh, I was I became a Christian at Southern Baptist Church, and uh, of course, you you may or may not know that Nam is a a subsidiary of the SBC. It's related to the SBC, and so um, I you know I feel feel a sense of loyalty to that. My the churches that I plant are associated with the SBC, and I love that work. Of course, I see tons of value in the broader work and, and other networks as well. But but um, it's a, uh, the SBC stands for a set of values and uh, theological ideas that I believe in. So that's that's the tribe I run with. Nice. So you're uh, you're what we would refer to as a professional missionary. I like uh-huh. it. Uh, like professional it. Christian, I like. That's my my preference. <laughs> okay, I like that That's one too. Rad. That'd be awesome if they gave you like a little, uh, uh, like a uh, almost like a driver's license. It said professional Christian with your picture. 
you know, yeah. expires. Well, it's got to have an expiry expiry date, so that way you got to renew it. You know, that that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be awesome. When I meet other standing joke that if you have one of those as a minister, it's most suspect, right? Yes, the only place you yes. get one of those is off the internet, and those are the guys you got to watch out for. Yeah, yeah but, the, the but, worse than that's that clergy bumper sticker. You seen that thing? Boy, that's fishy. No, I want one of those sticker? so I can roll into hospitals. <laughs> But you can get that anywhere, man. <laughs> I got to park with all the other chumps when I'm doing the what Lord's work. What does it say? Work. What's up with that? What is it just like? <laughs> this is a clergy. Yeah, it's just like a, a a bumper sticker that says clergy. You need a little disc that you put on your dashboard so like people don't like key your car when you're not working. You know, like, and then you can pretend you're like undercover, like you whip that out like a. Like a like a police where they put the siren on the uh, the magnetic siren. Pete, wouldn't it be rad to have one of those? You know, magnetic here, siren and just put it on the roof of your car and just speed. The the benefit of this podcast to our listeners never sorry, ceases sorry, to on. amaze. Like <laughs> I'm googling right now, and there's clergy bumper stickers that you can buy. This is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What well, well, Pete got ordained on the internet. We, I did. We yeah. Why he the did it? But the Church of Celestial Light. <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to remember what it what it is. I, man, it, it has light in the title. I know that there is light in the title. I think Pete's yeah. rethinking his denomination these days. It's something to do with guns. I don't. I don't. It's his latest thing. You know, when when we started this podcast, Clint, we went. We go. I, I learned a lot about Pete because we were becoming friends, and I learned Pete will get fixated. Now, the gun thing, he will tell you is for life. But I, I swear to you, for a year straight. He was talking about the charger almost every episode. He almost bought me a charger. He was so excited about it. He wanted to live vicariously through me owning a charger, another charger. And um, but but our first incarnation of this obsessive behavior on Pete's part was underoos. The that, return to adult. That was underoos. not my obsession. That was your obsession. <laughs> I thought I could get away with saying it was okay. You know, it was early days. We were young and foolish. Don't judge me. Please don't Google underoos, guys. Oh, it, but, <laughs> by the way, by the way, side note: you can get a Pope John Paul II bumper sticker as well. So you know, I thought you were going to mm. say underoos just then. No, how's this becoming <laughs> smack talk? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know about the Pope John Paul II underoos. I don't want to know about those. There's so Save many places I can go with that. Save our podcast. <laughs> you constantly make me lose my train of thought so i, I don't know what it, we're even talking about okay but so I, let's nam. back to the nitty-gritty uh, if unless you had a thought no i just i work at nam was the answer to your question pete or whoever asked it let's he answered the question. all right now we're back to the nitty-gritty he answered that question satisfactorily though he did yeah he actually has a real job He's a professional. <laughs> Unlike me when I started this podcast. Unlike me ever. I don't have a real job. I make up my jobs. So so here's here's kind of the cool thing. Um, you know, one one of the things I'd really like to know, and I, I love the fact that you're a hybrid, because that's how I am. I, I always tell people I'm like a Franken preacher. And I came out of the Jesus movement, went to Lloyd Jones's church. I mean, you know, you do the math, right? Um I, I experienced Miracles and supernatural stuff, which, you know, even some of our people are like, whoa, pal, you can't be bringing the book of Acts in here. But like, you know, honestly, like for me, it's just like, okay, you know, like that I'm a weird mix. My theology, though, is extremely conservative. So uh, it's very old school. And so for me, like I I am still to this day, like I, I feel like 
when it comes to the theological theological issues, I've still got a knife in my teeth. Like, you know, it's like commando, like, dude, you're never going to, whenever I see people kind of like turn liberal, I'm always like, that's cool. Cause I know you think you're going to reach lost people and you think you're going to help God out by going liberal and being more reasonable and yada, whatever you want to fill the blank in. But I've lived in Europe where they yeah. went through that on a, on not just on an individual basis, but the whole continent did that. And they're lost. I mean, they're gone always to me. And even now in in Europe, it's really interesting because when they do the survey, they say that, um, you know, they'll do these polls and they'll say the still to this day, the evangelical churches are seeing conversions where the, the liberal churches don't. They're just in a constant in the fastest growing churches, the churches that are that are surviving, that are thriving, they're always going to be evangelical churches. You never yeah. find a liberal uh-huh. church thriving in Europe. And so for me, it's always kind of like this, my love for lost people, I almost see it as, you know, I'm, I'm going through Deuteronomy and I see this, it's such a betrayal where Moses is saying to the people, like, don't do this. Like, don't, don't deviate. Don't go this way. You're going to, you're going to get in there. And you're going to think, oh, this sounds so good. You know, uh, uh, they're they're saying, you know, and God's going, no, 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 no. And Moses is telling them, don't do it. When you get over there, don't do it. And it, it's this giant book, like 40 chapters of just, let me just remind you, it looks good. It sounds good. Don't do it. And um, and I just see the church in, in the same uh, spot today. And so even though I'm this weird hybrid, it's this, you know, it's this commitment to, to scripture. And that's right. one of the refreshing things about you. I know you want to comment on that. So I'm going to hold my question until you respond. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I feel like I, we are really similar in those regards. I think we, we feel a sense of, uh, camaraderie when we talk to each other about our backgrounds, because, uh, we do have a passion to see, um, to see people come to know Jesus and want to be, want to be as relevant as possible. But at, at the end of the day, we're kind of, um, theological fuddy duddies, um, at heart. And we want the, uh, we, we want to, we're really conservative theologically and, um, sometimes even in our, in our practice. Um, so yeah, yeah. You were telling me that you were telling me, uh, the other day when we were talking that you, uh, you really appreciate good liturgy, which, uh, or like, (laughs) which is, which is out out of step with what you would, uh, would you would guess about Peyton Jones? Yeah, dude. Like every once in a while, I'll sneak into a like an Anglican or Episcopal church, and I'll worship to that high stuff. I could I could easily, if not for some of the theology, head into a Greek Orthodox church and be like, dude, I'm at home. You know, um, that that high liturgical um, worship to me is it, it's what I like. I mean, you know, th- there'll be times. It's funny because that's how I learned to worship. When I got saved, I went to an Episcopal church because it's the easiest church I could get. They were liberal as all get out. But the the actual liturgy was rad. It was gospel-filled. It was taking communion every Sunday. It was like readings of Scripture. And I was like, this is awesome. I love yeah. this. And so over the years as I've um, – and I, and I thrived under that because one of the things I love about liturgy is that it's not – um, and you know, you and I have served in the Southern Baptist, so it's not like we're advocating now. The podcast will be all about liturgy. I just, it always shocks people. And I think why plant church is not for me. So I don't plant the church necessarily that I want to go to or worship in. I plant churches that are going to bridge the gap for unbelievers and yet yeah. still be packed with the gospel. Right. So, um, like in the next church I plant, there'll be communion every Sunday. 
you know, because that's just, you know, I, I, I would have that at every home study, but, um, but going back to what I was saying is that, um, you know, the, the, what I love about the liturgy, um, is that the more liturgical you are, the less personality based your congregation becomes. And I think everybody's had enough of personality, you know, like, yeah. um, I was telling my, my sending pastor, I talked to him two days ago and he was going, do you preach much? And I said, not in between church plants. No. But I said, you know, I miss it. I go, you know, it's funny when you church plant and you're training and multiplying, you get over wanting to be Jesus. But when, you know, you, you do still want to talk about him sometimes. Right. <laughs> he started yeah. laughing. He goes, that's a good way to put it. So, yeah. But one, one of my questions for you is kind of along this line is what is the, um, what are, who are like your favorite preachers? And what are some of your favorite books? Because I really want to get kind of a snapshot yeah. of who is Clint Clifton and what shaped him and, um, you know, that kind of deal. Yeah, uh, favorite books. Uh, I, I don't know if I have favorites, but I have things I recommend a lot and use a lot. Um, one of those would be The Christian Ministry by Charles Bridges. He's a Puritan uh, guy, fantastic. That's um, a great book. I love it. Yeah, that. it's super dense, and I'm not okay. that smart. He's going but... to sleep. Pete's going to sleep here. I'm just telling you. Yeah, it's it, but it's written to the pastor. You know, it's a, from a Puritan pastor to the pastor, a pastor that appreciates, uh, you know, good theology. And uh, so, yeah, I've been so helped by that book. Uh, it's one of those books that I have to read every page like three or four times before I start to touch the tip of the iceberg or the meaning of what he's saying. He's, he's dense. Have he's you ever really read? Dense, yeah. Have you ever read him on Proverbs? I don't recall that. Get get his book on Proverbs, which yeah. is an absolute gold mine. More of the same. Yeah. So uh, Christian Ministry is probably my favorite go-to book to recommend to pastors uh, and church planters. Uh, just in such unique ideas. I'm a I'm a massive Spurgeon fan. Anything that he has produced, um, I, I love. I just read Steal Away Home. Uh, the the book ab- about it's kind of a novel related to Spurgeon's life uh, and his friendship, uh, friendship that he had. And it was a fantastic book. It was as a guy who really likes Spurgeon's work. It was fun to, to read a novel about him. And, uh, um, yeah, that's, that's some of kind of what I'm drawn to. Um, I, yeah, is that enough? No, that's good, man. Who are your favorite, uh, preachers like living? Oh yeah, living. Okay, enough well. dead guys. Let's talk about the living guys. Yeah. So I, I mean, I have had the privilege over the last two years to work. And, and, and before uh, you answer that, Cliff, understand Peyton is fishing for you to say, you know, Peyton reaching Jones. the unreached, yeah. Church Zero, and Peyton Jones. So just that's not well, fair. That's not fair because Clint's never heard me preach. See, most people have never heard me preach. I don't think so that really <laughs> matters. To that's you. not a fair question. I assume that had Clint heard me preach. The name would would drop big time, but right, big know, time, big time. Uh, well, I I I don't think I have heard you preach, Peyton, but I have. Um, Nobody's heard. I have, re- I have read your work, and and you're pretty you're a pretty sharp dude. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, uh, I was going to say over the last couple of years, I've had the uh, the privilege of working more closely with uh, David Platt here at, in Washington D.C. And yeah, uh, he, he preach. No, yeah, I, well, so <laughs> you know, with a lot of uh, you know over the last little bit getting to know people who are in higher profile pastoral positions and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you're a little bit disappointed after you get to know them, you know, you're like, Oh man, this guy's not 
not quite what I, he seemed like he was. And David's definitely not that he's a, he's a fantastic Christian and, and, uh, I've been really challenged by him personally and, um, and encouraged, strengthened, and I, I love his preaching. I don't think there's a preacher I'd rather listen to than David. Um, every and time I've seen a lot that, you know, him, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I expect, I fully expected to get to know him and kind of be disappointed as I am almost always when I get to know people <laughs> like, like uh, me, like me last week. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, man, this Peyton Jones is not all he's cracked up to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, David, David's, uh, ministry here has been good and, and I've been, you know, consuming his preaching. I find myself going and listening to it, uh, just cause I, I want to hear what he has to say. And, uh, consistently, uh, I think he's one of the best preachers of our generation and really gifted and yeah. just thank it, thankful for him. And especially thankful for the way in which God has wired him, not just to be, to be a good uh, communicator, but to specifically use his life for mobilizing people to get out there and spread the gospel and start yeah, churches and cool reach the that. unreached. And it's so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, um, super, uh, Super thankful for him. Of course, you know, I could name the kind of regular characters. Uh, I, I Maybe an out-of-the-way one that I like a lot and find myself most weeks listening to for consistently for 10 years or something is uh, Dennis McCollum over at Xenos Christian Fellowship um, in Columbus, Ohio. He's, uh, he's a guy that's like theologically not exactly where I'm at, but, um, but such a great Bible teacher. And uh, absolutely love his work, Dennis McCollum. Yeah, that's cool, man. And uh, you know, just thinking about um, David Platt, um, just his—you can't fake that passion. Like you know, when I hear that dude preach, I mean, his heart's breaking. Mm. You know, he's passion. He's—you get the sense, and I think Francis Chan is this way too. Yeah. Yeah. You get the sense that this dude is before the face of God right Mm. now. Kind of that Robert Murray machine. Kind of, kind of deal that you can't fake that. You can't fake holiness. You know, I can't remember. I I think it was Leonard Ravenhill who said, "That's the one thing Satan can't fake. He can fake like the miracles of of Pharaoh's magicians. He can fake miracles. He can fake. He can fake everything, but he can't fake holiness. Yeah, true holiness. So, but hey, man, I appreciate. Oh yeah, go ahead. One question that I've got since we're almost out of time, and I think this is a a really important question to uh, to find out. Uh, because of the history of this podcast, we need to know who Don't your favorite Star Wars character is. Don't go there. <laughs> I warned you. <laughs> uh, let's see. I gotta think if I even know one Star Wars. Character. What? That that will be the one that says my favorite. <laughs> what? Could we? Could we maybe talk Fraggle Rock instead? It's our head exploding, Clint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i was uh our uh, the biggest hang up to me taking over the podcast was i know zero cultural references so that that um, no, no but you you do know a lot of rock and roll and classic rock and i and do for- in fairness but that was a setup you know just you won't get this reference at all but pete shot first there pete shot first <laughs> you won't get that sorry sorry for all you star wars Pete always shoots first let's be clear that and that is a star wars uh innuendo or reference for for lack of a better term and that's why in solo he shot first at the end it is but now you ruin the end for clint for a film he'll never see you know what i (laughs) didn't ruin it whatever i said you didn't ruin it it's it's fine 
You know, all all these great men that I've served with, it's funny, man, because like McAlake, in my first interview with him, he goes, I've never seen a star because I asked him that question in my interview. He goes, you got any questions for me at the end of my interview? And I go, yeah, what's your favorite Star Wars film? And he started laughing. He goes, you know, I've never seen a Star Wars movie. And I got up and walked away from the table and said, I can't work for you anymore, man. That's it. This interview's over. And, uh, and then came and sat back down and got a job. But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, Hey guys, our guest today has been Clint Clifton. Clint, where can people connect with you outside of this podcast? Uh, well, I'm on social media at Clint J Clifton at, on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, Twitter's kind of my, my main go-to and, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Uh, you can uh, find more about uh, my work here in Washington at nam.net backslash DC or backslash Baltimore. And uh, I'm happy to connect with you. You can send me an email at DC at nam.net, DC at nam.net. So. All right. Well, Clint, thanks for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure having you. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Look forward to many cool podcasts in the future. Yeah, me too. Peyton, you want to sign us out? All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening to the Church Planner Podcast. And uh, Arnold? No, wait. wait wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why we can't have nice things when we need Clint. Thanks for listening to the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones, Pete Mitchell, and Clint Clifton reminding you, if you want to reach the people no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music